Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Our text for today is Psalm 136. Give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. It's not a bad tactic today, as you read the scripture with your family, to encourage your children to say the refrain. I mean, we have 26 verses. Each verse is basically two clauses. You have the, the first clause and then the refrain. Repeat. And so it's a simple phrase. They can pick it up. They can repeat it. Uh, it's a good way to read this scripture together. Now, in order to understand this one, since we have the same phrase repeated 26 times, it's worth asking, what does that mean? What does this phrase mean that we're using? And once we've unpacked what it means, we can look at why we might use it as a refrain so much. Now, this isn't the first time. Psalm 118, the first four verses, also use this refrain four times. 
But as you ask your children, what does this mean then? Give them a chance to unpack it. You listen and have the chance to reflect and deepen their understanding of the phrase. Steadfast love. The Hebrew word hesed, which can also be translated mercy, loyalty, covenant, faithfulness. I prefer that latter phrase, the idea that God is faithful to us. But it's not a one-to-one. It's just such a hard word in Hebrew to bring into English. It's such a rich and deep-meaning word. Anyway, as we then think of it, it endures forever. So his love endures forever. We would talk about his agape, to use a Greek word, his unconditional love, that he loves us no matter what. I think that's reflected well with the covenant faithfulness idea as well, because he is faithful to his covenant even though we weren't. We broke it. We rebelled against him, and yet he so, he so loved us that he sent his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So this love and faithfulness going together very well here and endures forever. He is unchanging. He has loved us since the moment he created us. Honestly, he's loved us even before that. He knew we would sin against him, and yet he still created It's a mystery in some ways, but there are things we know. We know his love is great. And so each of these refrains then is recognizing that from what was just said before it is an illustration of God's faithfulness, of God's great love for us. So we give thanks to Yahweh for he is good. Why is he good? Well, his steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to us never ends. He keeps his promises. So we give him thanks. Verses 2 and 3, God of gods, Lord of lords. There is no one higher. There is no one greater. He is king above all. And again, he is faithful. He loves us always. He does great wonders. So the various miracles and works of the Lord... And then we get a little more specific, and very much Genesis 1 for the rest of this paragraph. You can ask your children, which days of creation do each of these verses apply to? So he made the heavens, and he made the earth above the waters. He made the great lights, referring to the sun, the moon, and the stars, which then get verses 8 and 9. One of the beauties of creation is the pattern that we see. Days one through three, God is separating things. So he separates light from dark. He separates water from water in order to create the waters below and the heavens above. He separates water from dry land. And then days four through six, he fills. And it's a parallel. He fills what he already created what he already separated. So day one pairs with day four as he goes back and he fills light and darkness with the things that govern them, the sun and the moon and the stars. Then he had separated the waters and the heavens. So day five, he fills the heavens with the birds of the air and the waters with the fish and the other various swarming things. And day six, where he separated the water away from the land, he then fills the land with all kinds of creatures. Really neat parallel structure to the creation account.
But again, all of this shows the love of God for us as he knew we would break it. He knew what it would cost him to restore us. And he did it anyway. So great are his works, great is his salvation. That's a Revelation 4, 5 picture. Revelation 4 praises God for the gift of creation. Revelation 5 praises God for the gift of salvation. We get that here too a little bit. Then we move into verse 10, which is going to take us into the book of Exodus as God rescues his people from slavery in the land of Egypt. So struck down the firstborn of Egypt, that's the 10th plague from Exodus chapter 12, brought Israel out from among them. So Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, the Ten Commandments begin with, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I still love that the Jewish synagogue treats that as the first commandment. They may not have gotten the gospel, um, but they start their Ten Commandments with gospel. Just intriguing, to say the least. He, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, so the picture of a warrior fighting, the outstretched arm would be filled with a, a sword or some kind of weapon to fight. He fought for his people. How did he do it? He divided the Red Sea in two, Exodus chapter 14 made Israel pass through the midst of it on dry ground. What a miracle that is. And yet, then he closes it in. And so Pharaoh and the re- his host, that is his army, are drowned in the Red Sea. Verse 15 might be the closest we have in Scripture to suggesting to us that Pharaoh died in the Red Sea that day. The Exodus account leaves that open, certainly, I don't think this verse is necessarily as closed as it could be. So he overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. We know that the host, we know the entire army was drowned in the Red Sea. But the fact that his entire army is drowned is already overthrowing Pharaoh. He's got nothing left. So does he himself perish in the sea that day? Maybe his kingdom does. His rule does. His authority goes away. He's defeated, he's overcome. But this verse could certainly be read to say that Pharaoh was also killed in the sea that day. Again, that's unique, uh, a possible insight to scripture here and, and history of the world. He led his people through the wilderness. So he leads them out of Egypt, out of slavery, because again, his steadfast love endures forever. Look how great he is. Look at the things that he has done to save his people. This, by the way, is going to be part of what we talk about as Christians then. What has he done to save us? We'll get to that. We'll double back on that with the last paragraph starting at verse 23. So he struck down great kings. We can even talk about Satan with that verse, can't we? Uh, This is the sin of Adam and Eve entrusted this world to Satan's care, well, lack thereof, his destruction. The Lord killed mighty kings. God kills and God makes alive. He tears down and he builds up. He plants and he uproots. Don't lose sight of both sides of that picture. The Lord conquers. 
Jesus Christ killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in order to protect his people Israel. The Lord is good, and he's just, and every sinner deserves death, but in Christ we have life. So here's again proof of God's love and his care for his people, his faithfulness to them, even though they weren't faithful to him. He defeats Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan. Again, Numbers chapter 21 covers that account. He takes the land of them as well as the Canaanite tribes, and he gives it to his own people, just as he promised to Abraham hundreds of years before. 650-something years, something like that. A heritage to Israel, his servant. And that's a thing that they would then, as they divide up the land, would pass down from one generation to the next for centuries. As God continued to be with them, provide for them, he was faithful. So verse 23 to 25, he remembered us in our lowly estate. That's their slavery, our slavery to sin. Rescued us from our foes, that was Egypt for them, it's sin, death, and the devil for us and gives food to all flesh, provides, provided for his people then, provides for us now. This is Matthew chapter 6 as well, as Jesus tells us we don't need to worry because look at how God even feeds the birds of the heavens who don't store in barns, and yet he cares for them. This is true. And so we can certainly tie in the salvation of Christ anywhere in this psalm. I mean, every single line, because his steadfast love endures forever. It is the agape love of God, his unconditional love, his faithfulness, by which he sends Jesus to save us from sin, death, and the devil, from our slavery to our enemies. And so, verse 26, we give thanks to the God of heaven, from which he reigns, for he is forever faithful. Thanks be to God. Amen. Praise we cry.